Welcome to Truth For Our Time. This podcast is a production of the Communications Committee of the Apostolic Christian Church Nazarene's Elder Council. Our goal is to bring you audio recordings of publications past and present. It is our prayer that these podcasts will be a blessing to you and draw you into a closer walk with our Heavenly Father. What We Don't Do, an essay written by Benjamin L. Sommer, originally published in 1929, along with a collection of essays in a booklet entitled The Fascination of the Race, available from Apostolic Christian Publications. I remember hearing a brother tell of an experience he once made in meeting a man who seemed to be interested in our religion. The brother said, I told him about our ways. I told him that we don't do as the world does, nor as the people of the worldly churches do. We don't go to theaters, we don't dance, we don't smoke, we don't wear jewelry, we don't play cards, or take part in any of the worldly amusements. Perhaps he told him more, and I hope he did. But the above is what stands out in my recollection as the things he stressed most. But he seemed to be completely satisfied that he had given the reason of the hope that lies within, and had well discharged his duty of giving testimony unto the world of the life of Jesus Christ. Now, undoubtedly, the above don'ts are of value in clearing the field for Christian life and activity. But they are wholly negative. That is, they consist of avoiding things that are unprofitable or harmful, but do not represent the doing of any of the good things which our Lord has taught and explicitly commanded. Would to God that beside the above, he had been able in truth to tell an interesting story of what we do do, that he might have said in truth, but we are very busy and active in other things, things which pertain to our master's work, which he has bidden us to do. First, We have an unlimited field in which we are very active to carry the message of the gospel to all men as far as our strength goes. Every member is charged with the duty of telling his neighbor about the way of salvation through Jesus Christ. And like the apostolic church at Antioch, we send our laborers and ministers out into the harvest fields of the world to spread the gospel of true conversion which is so rare in the world today. Secondly, beside our labors in the gospel, we are very busy carrying out our master's command to go thou and do likewise, just as the good Samaritan did, making it our Christian duty and privilege, so far as our strength goes, to bind the wounds of the world. This same great field of labor is further pointed out to us when our master says, I was hungry and ye fed me, I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Matthew 25, 35. Our religion makes it our duty not only to minister to the spiritual needs of the people, but also to the physical and temporal needs one might have. 
All this keeps us very busy in good works, which our master commands, so that we have neither time nor interest for the follies and frivolities of the world. This I wish the brother might have spoken. But could he say all this in truth? Someone may answer, the above would be an ideal condition to which we can never hope to attain. Even if we were to grant this, the question would still remain, do we strive with all our strength to see it come to fruition? Is the aforementioned really the ideal or aim of our religion? Let's face facts. Let's look squarely into the mirror and honestly admit what we see. I have tried to do this and have reached the firm conviction that don't has found by far too large a place in our religion and do by far too small a place. Not only do these don'ts fail to lead us into the doing of the Lord's will, there is another very real danger in them, namely the danger that we should please ourselves too much and approve ourselves too much because of them. To the angel of the church of Laodicea, the Lord spoke, Thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Revelation 3.17 Thus we see it is possible to deceive ourselves and to have had a feeling of richness and well-being which is not justified by the facts when soberly faced. What a smug self-satisfaction have not some taken out of an array of petty negative virtues like the aforementioned and similar ones. What a self-deception, like a drunken man jingling a handful of coins in his pocket and feeling like a millionaire. But what shall our attitude be towards these negative virtues? Shall we say that because they are purely negative and some of them of minor importance that they may well be discarded? That is not the right answer. That would be a serious step backward. But let us not overvalue them as though they in themselves would make us acceptable to God. These negative virtues should be looked upon as comparable to the farmer's activity in keeping down the weeds. That is a very necessary part of the farmer's work and most praiseworthy. With what pride and joy does not a farmer look at his field and his good wife at her garden when between the rows of corn or vegetables the clean fallow earth is seen, free from noxious weeds. A clean field, a clean garden, what a joy to the husbandman. But what would you say about a farmer who spends the entire summer plowing, harrowing, and cultivating to destroy the weeds in his fields, but who never thought of putting good seed into the fallowed soil? Would you not say he's crazy? And the conclusion would seem to be justified. When harvest time comes, he would have nothing to show but a nice, clean, but unfruitful field. No harvest, no fruit, an unprofitable servant. With him may be compared the Christian who devotes himself solely to the negative virtues, don't this or don't that, and who neglects the do, neglects to obey the Lord's commands, and to enter wholeheartedly into the many fruitful labors which our Lord has commanded us to do. But let us not abandon our negative virtues just because they are insufficient in themselves. 
That would be like a man who discovers that his investments have turned out badly, and that instead of being rich, as he had thought, he is penniless, having only a clean record and some degree of credit as his entire capital. Would he be wise to throw these to the winds? No. He is very careful of them. These may sustain him until he can go to work and earn something. And so a conscience, which is unspotted by wrongdoing, even though its virtue is only negative and by far insufficient to earn the praise, well done, thou good and faithful servant, may yet be sufficient to sustain us while we sober up, take stock of our real assets, and go to work. I understand Brother Froelich is the author of the following stanza, which I will quote in German and then paraphrase in English. Der Gnadenstuhl voll Stärke ist Armen aufgetan. Der Richterstuhl heißt Werke, der Reiche nur kommt an. The gist of what's said is the throne of grace is open to the poor, that is, to sinners. The judgment throne calls for works, good works, and only he who is rich in good works can stand before it. To be rich in good works means more, far more than don't, don't, don't. It means do, carry out the Lord's commands, do his work. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, Go ye forth into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Isaiah 58.5 Is it such a fast that I have chosen? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked that thou cover him? Rich in good works, what a treasure laid up in heaven, works done in the Lord. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth, Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Revelation 14.13 To close, a word to our elders and ministers. How often would your labors be easier, more blessed, and joyful, if they were directed more to lead the flock into the Lord's work? into his harvest fields and vineyards, into works of kindness and mercy and helpfulness to humanity, rather than to be obliged to spend so much time and energy into the often unpleasant and sometimes seemingly thankless task of trying to keep the fences fixed, and of correcting and disciplining the large and small misdeeds that occur among the flock, misdeeds often the direct result of idleness, because Satan always has some mischief for idle hands to do. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Truth For Our Time, produced by the Communications Committee of the Apostolic Christian Church, Nazarene. For more resources, please visit our website at acc-nazarene.org.